Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. We're recording. Are we recording? Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I tried beating you to it. Oh. You know I'm going to have to say it every time you record this. That's the thing now. All right. Welcome to another episode of Freefall RC Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve, and here with us is Kevin. Hey, guys. And first time on the show, Christian Loren. How you doing, guys? Good, good. This, good. Is, epi- this is episode number 34, Commercial Aerial Photography. Christian, why don't you tell our listeners some stuff about you? Ever since I was a kid, I literally have just been into flying planes and helicopters and... Uh, Pretty much, it has always been a hobby. Um, when I went to, to college, well, I actually dropped out of college, but essentially what I ended up doing in, uh, I guess, the corporate world was video production. I, I worked for startup companies and you know just produced uh, animated videos to help uh, tell stories about companies and what they do. And I ended up working for a startup, being let go, and uh, at that point, I kind of decided to go off and try my own thing. So I started Cinema Flight, and um, the, the whole concept behind it was to, to offer marketing services, not necessarily just drone-related stuff. However, mm-hmm. um, the drone-related services have uh, become a relatively big part of what I do. It's It adds such a level of engagement to producing videos and um, taking photos. Um, so I, I ended up starting cinema flight and in the beginning i was kind of just doing uh real estate related stuff however since then things have kind of branched out and i've realized that there's there's literally endless possibilities in regards to the type of clients that you can try and go after okay. in this industry nice. um that the the list is it, it's literally endless like um i mean some of the types of clients that we've recently had the pleasure of working with are um, like quarries and aggregate mining facilities, and we're not just producing videos. Um, we're also doing aerial 3D mapping and giving them data that once they used to originally have to pay companies to come out and do individual surveys of piles. We could fly a drone over in about 20 minutes and end up mapping out about 300 acres worth of land wow. and giving them uh, like an online viewer. We use Drone Deploy. Um, I'm, I'm guessing if you guys have flown drones, you might have heard of it, but it's it's an amazing platform, and it's what we end up providing for our clients. That's one element of things, and we do a lot of video production. Cool. But pretty much that's, uh, I mean, the the long and short of it from, like, the beginning to where we're at now, but as of right now, we're just doing a lot of uh, work for different types of clients and doing our best to keep people happy. Oh, sounds good. So how's everyone's week been? Very hot. I know, right? Oh, my God, the weather was terrible. Plus, we had all that rain. Yeah, dude. Saturday and Sunday. That sucked. I just want to say, dude, right now, I I think I sent you guys a text. Uh, Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. I I was just pissed, and I was randomly texting people. But (laughs) Sunday, I had to replace a power steering line on the wife's car, Mm -hmm. and uh, I had to do an oil change. I changed my shirt three freaking times, dude. It was 75 degrees, and I, it was like 1,000% humidity. I was sweating my ass off. Like, I oh, could – and, and I'm I come in the house, and I'm, I'm you know, complaining because mm-hmm. that's one of the things I do best. 
And the wife is like, oh, come on. You've been, you know, it's all summer and, you know, you've been dealing with heat all summer. I said, I've been dealing with heat all summer and, and the heat I can handle, but this is ridiculous. I said, why don't you get up and come out and help me out with the oil change? I said, get your ass out underneath the car. And, yeah, and right. That's what I said. And she was like, oh, you want me to come out? All right, I'll come out. But she didn't come out. <laughs> uh, I expected her to come out, you know, have a have a nice cocktail in her hand. No. <laughs> She'd be like, okay, go change the oil. You I'll know, point out this point that I'm mad at you. <laughs> dude, God bless her, though, because she, she gets this. She gets this looking around like, really, I can help? And she gets like all excited, like, oh, yeah, I'll come out. I'll help. And then, uh-huh. then when she's she's getting ready, I'm like, you don't want to come out there. I was like, forget it. I'll I'll finish it, you know. <laughs> and she's more or less happy that I said that, but, but she, she has offered to help a few right. times. But uh, but dude, it was just ridiculous, man. You know, I'm going out to Vegas towards the end of the month, and I don't want to hear about Vegas heat, dude. When it's 75 degrees and you're sticking to the seat and you're sweating through your clothes, that's ridiculous, man. Yeah, just in like I'm in a swamp for crying out loud. <laughs> right oh so it was just ridiculous man and uh i really did the only thing i did was i did a little bit of cleaning out on the shed i mean obviously i didn't get a chance to go flying because it was raining saturday really bad and yeah. sunday it was off and on but i did get a chance to clean out my shed a little bit and i have a couple of older planes that i just like just totally ripped apart i was like all right i'm not flying these anymore Wait, what kind of planes which planes that corsair where I had the landing gear was giving me problems, and it's it's an out of production Corsair. Oh, uh, okay. So I just I ripped the motor out of that, and you know all the servos and that kind of stuff. Okay, and just and dumped the airframe. So trashed, yeah. Just dumped the yeah. airframe. And I got to do that with the the two hundred percent Mustang. Oh no! Yeah. Is there plans for a rebuild or a version two or what? I would love to do a version. You know, I think it was was it Ultra Microbe that did the uh, the small one. It was one of uh, those guys, one of those uh-huh. early guys on the flight test articles or forums mm-hmm. who, who did the who did the eight hundred millimeter like sort of size. It was about oh, it was that's, that's, that's was, the same guy I built the Messerschmitt, the Messerschmitt from, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, that one had more scale like details on the, and I'd love to do like a giant version of that. Oh. So I might do that. I don't know. Blowing up the planes that big though. Be kind of like difficult to figure out where the cut, you know. But uh, I'm sure I can. Yeah. Mess, I can mess around and figure it out. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you've done enough now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I got to start getting rid of some planes because I got just too much stuff, man. Well, I want to give the Anthony. Me too, the, man. I want to give Anthony the arrow because he okay. wants to try that with FPV, and I uh-huh. have those two wings. One's one. You know, it's like it's stupid too because you get sentimental with these stupid Dollar Tree. <laughs> like the first the first wing i ever built i think it was the actual the first plane i ever built mm-hmm. with the leds in it and all that stuff it was it was the versa wing the one that you painted and everything like you, yeah you know, airbrushed yeah yeah that, that one i i you know i should probably scrap it and build another one because it's like been through the war as they say it's like a tank mm-hmm. um but i i don't know if i can bring myself to throw it out because it's the first one i ever made yeah, I think you should just keep it and hang it up in your workshop, you know. Yeah. Maybe strip it down and take the electronics, but keep the airframe as a momentum to, you know, and write, write on it like first, first D, you know, DTFB ever built by Kevin Teschner, you know, and then like put a date on it or whatever, the date that you built it or the year you built it and just keep it, you know. 
yeah. you could always take the electronics and build that into another um, Versa wing or whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I might not even take the electronics out of it because what is it? Two servos and a motor and ESC, really? I mean, it's not really. Yeah, maybe maybe to receiver at least, you know, because you're not going to need that yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, so well. so what's your week been like, man? Did you even go flying on Saturday? I did. did. Text. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dodging you know, the raindrops. Yeah, I mean, at first, like, okay, so. So it was definitely a crappy flying weekend, right? I mean, it was basically off and on rain all Saturday and Sunday. Um, Saturday got pretty crazy in the afternoon. But, um, you know, I got out to the field a little later than I expected. I, I wanted to get out there early, but just, you know, I, I went to sleep at like 2, 3 in the morning the night before. And, and it just wasn't happening. Like, I, I basically got out to the field at uh, at 12. Okay. And I was able to push, I think it was like five or six flights on the OxyCube before it started to rain and then, then it started getting heavier. Um, at that point, you know, I basically went to Rich. I was like, well, I mean, the rain might stop. Uh, Rick, I mean, sorry. The rain might stop. Uh, why don't we just grab some lunch and see how it is and we'll play it by ear. If we come back and the rain subsides, then, then cool, we'll go flying. If not, then we'll just call it. So um, it was actually me, Rick, and Dennis. We all went out to, you know, Hulands and... And, you know, had some lunch together and just kind of chatted with the boys. It was nice. Cool. And then, um, yeah, and then we got rained out. So we had to call <laughs> it. Um, I got, I think I got home by like 4, 4.30 or something like that. And um, and it was just, it was it was a weekend of just working on stuff. So I, uh, the FT Sparrow, I got all the electronics in. I got the servos, the EC, I got the motor all mounted. Everything is ready to go for a maiden. So nice. I'm interested. Um, hopefully this weekend I'll be able to maiden it if I feel like lugging all my other equipment like DX9 out. <laughs> uh, another thing I did was I bought a box. You know the cases that we use, the rigid? Yeah. Um, the $29 case? Well, there's the bottom portion, which is $59, and it's like a really big box it has like a a i don't know what the handle is like a suitcase lug- luggage like a telescopic handle i guess or whatever it kind of yeah. click a button and it comes out wheels on it yeah yeah it has okay. wheels on it and that so i i bought one of those boxes because i had an idea about how i transport um my my radios and you know just my stuff um it's a pain in the butt for me to bring any airplanes out or quads or anything that's not a helicopter because all my helicopters are on V-Control. If I want to fly helis only, I, I bring my V-Control, I bring my helicopters, a pack charger, I'm done. If I want to bring a quad out, I got to now bring the quad, the FPV box, the, and then the DX9. So I got you know, quite a bit more things I got to bring out. And you know, I live in an apartment floor, apartment building that you know, I have to go down a, a flight of stairs to get to downstairs and I'm like back and forth, back and forth making trips. And it's, it's right. It's a big pain in the butt. So I bought this big rigid, you know, case on wheels. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to laser cut some plexi or wood maybe and make trays inside that box. So I could have one tray will hold my DX nine you know, and have it thick enough that it could cover, like, the foam and the gimbal so it would be safe. Then I'll have another tray that sits on top of that with my V-Control. And then I'm going to have one big final tray on top, which will have my battery packs. Nice. So, 
So, you know, in the bottom box, it's going to be heavy as hell, but the bottom box will have my two transmitter, you know, that, and then, and then I'll have my, um, you know, all my battery packs. And then on top, I'll latch in the, the $29 case, which is my charging case. And then that whole thing just wheels and it's going to be just so much easier. The only thing I would suggest, dude, is maybe putting the batteries on the bottom because of the weight. I thought about that, but, um. Don't you think? I mean, I, I guess that's I know you'd so have to idea. take everything out to get to it, but yeah, I mean, not even take everything out because I'm gonna make trays of handles to get. But uh, yeah, you know, if, if if God forbid, like I I smell something burning, <laughs> and it happens to be a battery, like I want to be able because the top comes off with two latches, and one on each side. Boom, boom, pull the whole top with the charger case. Like you just pull the charger case up, and it says it's latched. It'll, the whole top comes off. Then I could get to the battery real quick and, you know, chalk them or whatever I have to do. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, I don't expect any of my batteries to ever light up. But uh, I want to make sure I have the quickest access to the batteries if, you know, something like that would happen. Um, That's probably a good idea. And then as far as the radio, I'm going to most likely, you know, the DX9 will go on the bottom, then the V control, and then the batteries. And I'll have handles on trays so I could just kind of pick up the whole thing. And then put it to the side, you know? Yeah. So when I get to the field, I could just pull up the whole tray, put it underneath the table or something. See, I was considering getting the, the open, the, the more or less like the milk crate one. The milk crate, uh-huh. So I could throw, like, just my cords and stuff in that for the generator and, you know, anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I would actually think about – I actually thought about getting that, too, because it's so cheap, too. It's, like, 12 bucks or something. Yeah. Just for, like, when we go on our uh, – you know, our trips to fun flies and stuff to be like, okay, you know, here's my, my lamp, you know, here's, here's like a box of tools, like, you know, just miscellaneous stuff, my soldering iron, my heat gun, you know, my glue gun, like all that stuff I could just toss in there and yeah. be like a quick, easy way of getting to it or, or keeping that aside, you know, and since it's like a milk crate, you know, um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see the, the, the two cases alone right now, when I, Put them in the car. It's just at the the headrest level of my back seats. So I don't really want to go any above that. And I guess I could take it off, put it to the side. But um, if anything, I might get another twenty nine dollar case and make that an FPV rig. Like, oh wow! You know, with all either three D printed or I mean, this laser cutter is really. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm really you haven't to, even talked about that, man. Yeah, I'm trying to really, uh, you know, utilize that and and you make use of it because. Uh, you know the, the the stuff that I could make is awesome. Like I made a box for a Raspberry Pi and a RFID reader, so that way, uh, you know, when when our employees have issues and they come and do a walk up, they could basically bump their uh, their work uh, ID tag, right? And it'll actually automatically create a ticket for us, and oh, that way wow. we can like, and then you know we have to edit the ticket. But it'll just come up as a RFID walk up, but we can. Uh, you know, then like take the ticket and you know remind us of the work that we've done because we do so much sometimes that don't get logged and and you know that throws off our overall numbers and and count you know workload and stuff. So, Jeez. um, so I, I you know I basically laser cut this little orange translucent box. It's awesome and it's like perfect. The laser cut is so accurate. It's not even funny how how awesome it is. So, um, well, yes, yeah, so laser. It's it's a laser, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really uh, trying to utilize that while while it's not too busy and it's not always in use, you know. Yeah, uh, dude. I wanted to just say real quick, man, that 
you were sending us pictures of the logos that you were doing, and yeah. that was looking awesome, man. I can't yeah. wait to get free full RC one. Yes, so, I got to read my you. case, and I got to do one for you because you wanted all uh, caps or all same size. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I got to just redraw uh, that out and, and print it or cut it. Um, cool. Let's see, what else was I doing? So I completely took apart my old FT bat bone. I finally started the rebuild. I bought those uh, those Y6 motor mounts from flight when we were at Flight Fest. So I had and I had the six motors. So I was like, all right, I got some time. Let's uh, let's get this rebuild started. So I completely took it apart, checked all the spars. None of them were cracked. So I was like, okay, I can you know the arms, the booms, I guess you could call them. I'm like, okay, I could reuse these. And I started drilling out the holes, started mounting the motors on it. So right now it's set up as a Y6. Um, I just started getting, I just, I had three ESCs. So I ordered four more of the same kind um, just to have, a, you know, a couple of extra. Right. Or one extra. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I'm waiting for those to come in. But once I get that in, I'm going to be able to, you know, wire the rest of it up. I, I flashed the nays. With um, Betaflight and also with a Y6 configuration, so that's that's ready to go. I soldered all the pins and and it came with a little case. So I put them in a little case and stuff, so that should be good to go. I have a little PDB. It's just a bare PDB for um, a hex or a octocopter, like to have all the leads for the um, power leads for the ESCs to go into that. So I soldered the two ESCs that I did have. I mounted on the the back boom, soldered those in, cleaned up the wiring. Like it's gonna it's gonna look pretty good, you know. I'm not. It's not gonna be you know a perfect job, but you know, I mean, for my standards, it's gonna be pretty great. <laughs> Dude, I'm over here going na 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 Batmoan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where the hell did so, I get the name? Oh, because it looks like something Batman would have, right? Because it looks like a bat. Like the airframe looks like a you know has like that curve part on the top that looks kind of like a bat. Yeah, sorry, dude. I'm just being a little... Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so uh, I started fabricating landing gears because originally the bat bone was sort of a... I guess you could quote-unquote like say it's like a belly lander or like it has like small little legs on the on the ends, right, where the motors were. Yeah. But, um, you know, with, with me wanting to... I'm going to put a gimbal on it. It's going to be, you know, pretty low slung in the front. Yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, I have... Kind of like what I made for the Dragonfly, but it's different. It's more in line with flight test uh, method of their Electro Hub AP style landing gear. So I have the the mounts to hold the half inch square dowels in um, in like a. It's not a forty five. I think the legs are more of a, a fifty five degree angle. Yeah. With the, then like the two legs coming down, and then basically across. Uh, Another two legs kind of going across on the bottom of his feet. Uh, so I've got those designed in uh, Tinkercad. I've just, I just have to print them out, so I'll probably try to get to that tomorrow at work. And then uh, let's see, the charging case. Do yeah. you tell work, hey, I just got to run diagnostics on this, and then you print shit out? Or like, what? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, you know, a lot of times it's it's, you know, lunch break or, oh, okay. it's, you know, after hours. But sometimes, like, you know, if it's like, if I, you know, the, the, the laser cutter's on the sixth floor, I know how long it'll take me to cut. Like, say, the Free Forest podcast logo that I cut, right? I cut four of those. 
and four of them took about 15 minutes. So oh, I kind of time it in my day. So it's like, okay, I got to go see this person, help this person out with something, and then go do this something. You know, sometimes, a lot of times it's like, you know, you sit there and you wait. Like you, you work on something and then you're waiting for something to complete. So, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, the user's not there. I'll just, you know, when they're whatever, I'm working on their machine and kind of helping them out. I'll kind of just shoot out there, set it off, get it cut, and then come right back, finish everything, and then, and then you know, I'm out. Okay. So, you know, something like the, the top cover for the charging case, it's probably going to take a while because I have a lot of intricate design cutouts I need to make. And, you know, it's probably going to take like 30 minutes, I'm thinking. But, you know, it's it's just so... I want to make sure I, I'm, you know, you have to be present in just in case there's a fire. So you, I can't walk away from it. So I'll probably do it like maybe tomorrow or Thursday um, after that, work. I'll just kind of stay for a half hour extra and get it done. That's more than a, a an etching laser, right? It's you can cut, yeah, you can cut straight through with it. Yeah, so um, it basically does a raster, which is etching, and then it does vector, which is cutting. And nice. So I'm able to do all of it in one shot. It'll raster anything. Then it'll sit there and go around everything, all the holes, anything that I make, and it's going to cut out. And on my charging case, I, I kind of went to two different revisions. I haven't cut anything out, but just overall looking at it and to design an illustrator, I noticed that one of the things is I had it originally like kind of how you have your case set up and you know, I know Rick has his case set up like that too, where you have your charger in the middle, then you have your two um, fans on each side, or right. maybe an opening on one side for an intake and then a fan on the other side. Noticing the way my charger, my power supply layout is currently, there's a hot side and a cold side. And it's not from top to bottom, it's from right to left. So the right side is cold. That's where all the intake is on the power supplies. The charger is kind of front and back, but that's okay. You know, it's going to get airflow anyways. And then and all the hot side is on the, the left side. So originally I had it with the two, um, the big cutout for the charger, the two holes on each, uh, one hole on each side. And then I had two logos, you know, the uh, Lynx logo, Ox logo on the left, the Goblin and V-Control logo on the right and then the free for rc podcast in the middle okay and i'm just thinking like oh one side is gonna be hot the other side i guess i can make an intake but i feel like that left side gets really hot those two ps uh power supplies just cranking away it gets really warm on that side and i don't want it to melt the acrylic i don't want it to overheat because it can it can't release that heat fast enough so i moved all the logos to the right side and I put the two uh, fans on the left side with two switches, a master switch and then a switch for LEDs. And then three 4RC logos still in the middle, but then I have the four logos on the right side. But then now my question is, where's the intake? So on the design, I have half-inch circles, probably about 50 of them, <laughs> all from the right <laughs> side of the, the – when you see the charger, right, like in the middle, from the top right – wrapping around a charger and some of it kind of digging close to the logos and around it kind of like you know kind of one or two holes goes in and then comes out in between the logos and stuff so hopefully that'll be enough uh cutaways to to you know sufficiently have good intake sounds like it 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll send you a picture of yeah, the design. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, I'll show you the two design um, ideas I had, and maybe I'll get your take on it and see if it'll actually work or not. Yeah, so all these logos are done. Um, you know, I just gotta just gotta figure out the the last little bits, like the the switch. Um, the other thing I'm gonna do is rewire everything. I'm gonna take that because I have a power strip in my case. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna actually take the power strip apart and take the uh, computer network, uh, computer power cables, and take those and all hard hardwire them into that uh, power supply. So take the plastic casing off and just the bare wires, and then you know figure out which you know all the positive negatives and the ground and all that stuff, and kind of hard you know solder everything together so that way I can route the wires the way I want it and not have this clunky you know power strip inside the case. Yeah. To free up some room. Yep. And then um and then wire up all the LEDs to the top case once I get that cut. So I'm hoping probably not this weekend. I mean I'll have the top cover hopefully cut before this weekend. So I could I could show you. But uh I'm hoping by next week I'd have a finished product. Like boom, ready to go, you know, at least for this version. And then if I need to buy some more acrylic and make modifications, you know, that's no big deal. So I have the original design I can always modify. So Nice, dude. I might hit you up for a top cover. The 3D-printed stuff worked out good. It just got in extreme heat. It did start yeah. to, like, give a little bit. Right. And, oh, you got it. There's this awesome site that I used to make that box for the RFID reader. It's basically you give it dimensions. And it will give you a, a laser cut plans to cut, um, but you could do it like um, I don't know what it's called, but I guess when you know you kind of have notches or little squares. Oh they, yeah, 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 like dovetail. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask you how it how it made it connect together. Yeah, and that's how you do it. You dovetail and then you just glue it. With nice. Acrylic, um, which is kind of to me, it looks like rubber cement. <laughs> yeah, I see Ben uh, Heck do that all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, if you wanted to, like, customize some boxes and stuff, like, you could totally do it. Wow. And what did, what did they primarily buy this laser printer for? For us to use? <laughs> for the employees to use? Really? Yeah, because we're, you know, my company is is all about that handmade, you know. Not oh, handmade, right, but, right. But, yeah. you know, like, do it yourself. Like, we're we're big on that, you know, like where we have the 3D printer workshop. It's called the Digital Lab 1. Digital Lab 2 is the, the laser cutter. Um, I'm trying to convince the office hackers to uh, work with me on on maybe building, a, you know, like Kevin Matusik's uh, CNC machine to okay. build one of those. You know, we can laser cut all the parts on the wood and everything. Like, we, you know, I just see so many possibilities with that thing. Um, but, like, you know, we have, like, a whole, like, lab, right, that you can, you know, screen print you can weave you can sew you, you know just everything like, oh, dude it's, it's like a craft shop it's i'd like have a, a field day in there dude, you got to come one I'd day i'd be like freaking in there for about a month like, <laughs> seriously is that one guy day, leaving <laughs> seriously one day you should just like you know i know it's, it's tough and you don't like to go into city or into brooklyn you know particularly like just you make your way down here and and we could Spend a couple hours just cutting whatever you want. It's awesome. Or 3D printing whatever you want. Like, we have so many machines. Wow. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely, it's definitely some good times there. Nice.
let's uh, go into our main topic here. So commercial area photography. So what is the business of commercial AP? Like, you know, I, I know you mentioned that it's more than just drone flying but I know, and marketing, but uh, why don't you go into a little bit of that? When a lot of people, when they say commercial AP, it kind of categorizes it as just photography. But uh, mm-hmm. what I would say is it's commer- the commercial industry of flying drones consists of a wide variety of different things. There's there's people who are focused on just the the surveying and monitoring aspect of things. Right. Like just just drone deploying itself could be a service. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's people who focus on the you know let's say real estate photography and video aspect of things and. But it, it, it greatly varies. There's so many different um, use cases in regards to what you could be doing with drones, whether it be photography, video, surveying, inspections, mm-hmm. uh, search and rescue. Right. Um, but our main focus right now is just incorporating drones as a marketing tool and also a, a strategic means of providing solutions to certain clients where old processes, you know, let's say for, for quarry facilities facilities mm-hmm. um their old methods are when we come in and, and showcase to them what we're capable of doing it's it's literally like a night and day difference in regards to the, the amount of data that we can give them and in comparison to what they used to get um it, it's just amazing oh cool i've heard something similar about um inventory in warehouses where you know uh, it'll take two guys you know a week to inventory an entire warehouse and a, and a drone can do it in like half a day it can fly through the whole warehouse scanning that is interesting i have not i have not um specifically heard about that yet but i i mean i definitely like to read an read an article about it what i've been seeing is uh there's some new technology that allows you to end up doing crop counting for farming facilities so like that same notion of it, they'd have people going up and down aisles counting plants one by one you could have a drone go and map it out in a matter of literally under an hour and with their software give you accurate numbers it puts circles around each plant and it, it's insane wow the, wow what it can do and also just with drone deploy you can monitor crop health just with the dji inspire you can put mm-hmm. that up in the air go fly over a farm and with their algorithm and their amazing platform, you can end up viewing essentially what is considered like plant health. So you could see where there's more moisture apparent, where there's oh, it, wow. it, it maps things out in red and green, and that can be useful for farming facilities to end up um, utilizing and planning for, let's say, what they're going to do the next season or where they're going to you know, rearrange plants and crops and things of that nature. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how just taking a phantom can end up, you know, a DJI phantom or inspire can end up capturing this type of data. And if you know what to do with it, um, it's, it's of extreme value. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Like you said, the possibilities are endless. They could probably inspect pipelines and, uh, you know, all sorts of things like that. Sure. Sure. Power lines, grids, wires, all that stuff, right? There's, and I mean, we've, there's, there's even a few companies that have, like reached out to us um like more for like consulting type work but that have interests in incorporating drones to do inspections of roadways and mm-hmm. things of that nature and it's it's literally a no-brainer you know it, if, if you can end up sending up a drone in a short amount of time and capture accurate data that you can even take measurements from like with drone deploy you can also take accurate measurements so like i mean right now we're working with a client um this is kind of like a custom job but 
we we scanned their entire property and we're helping them design what their new driveway is going to look like utilizing that scan so that we have an accurate depiction of their yard and dimensions and etc and then in cad we're able to draw an accurate representation of what their new driveway is going to look like and then we have a developer that we work with who we can give those plans to and essentially he can go and replicate it in real life oh wow wow yeah that's amazing tell us about cinemaflight.com i know this is your 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 baby here um and it's more than just obviously the commercial drones aspect um what else do you guys do as far as uh, cinemaflight.com the way that I try to market Cinema Flight to every single client that I meet is mm-hmm. you can look at us as a one-stop shop for literally all of your marketing needs. We do everything from print design, graphics, branding, uh, photography, video, animation, 2D animation, 3D animation. Um, wow. And then we have a lot of services that are more niche and catered towards specific markets like we heavily work with the real estate industry and mm-hmm. we, we what we offer that differentiates us in comparison to a lot of other companies is like for example there's like the norm is there's a lot of people who work out there they're just photographers they're just videographers or right. they, they just happen to fly a drone or maybe they do floor plans and things of that nature or virtual tours what my goal was I mean the way that I have always been is I just try to be a go-getter and try to learn as much as possible so what I've done with Cinema Flight is I have learned I've gone out and you know taken the initiative to to learn and and master how to do certain services and be able to actually provide you know quality work whether it be interior photography for real estate video tours Uh, we do 360 degree virtual reality tours for for homes um, or businesses, or if it's a commercial building, or et cetera. But essentially what what my goal is and what the, the, the services that we offer is full service packages. So instead of hiring multiple third-party companies that you'd have to have multiple people coming out, multiple different bills who, in regards to people who you're paying and hiring to do work for you, we offer everything all under one roof. And when we come out to do a shoot, we get it done in one day and deliver you know, final marketing assets within two to three days afterwards. Oh, wow. That's quick. A lot of, I mean, a lot of what you see on Cinema Flight is, um, believe it or not, I mean, every aspect of what you see I've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're at a unique point where um, we're we're scaling, you know, we're, we're growing and, um, I'm, you know, right now I'm getting interns and more people to assist in the workflow. But, Cinema Flight and everything that you've seen to this point, believe it or not, has been a combination of pretty much me and my business partner um, who have grown the business to where it is. Oh, okay. That, that was my next question. Is, a, is this a one-man operations or do you, you know, I guess you have a business partner and I guess you're getting interns, you said, right? Yep. So I mentioned that I ended up... Uh, I ended up working for a startup. It it got bought out, and then you know I was let go. So essentially, at that point, that was when uh, I started Cinema Flight. Now, for about about a, a I think about like a year and a half to two years, I was doing things a hundred percent on my own. Um, pretty much, you know, like I I have a fiance, and she was like, "All right, I'm going to give you you know a year of you having mm-hmm. no job to go and try and start this, and it better be successful." So, <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. yeah, it's it's tough, but luckily, um, you know, she 
has been a great support and always continues to be a great support. But um, so I did that and was, you know, getting jobs on my own and clients. However, um, one thing that I always did was stay in contact with one of my old bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened to be um, I used to work for an airsoft gun store in Totowa and um, I ended up leaving him to go and work for the corporate world. Um, mm-hmm. And it was funny because he was like, you wait and see, you know, you're going to chase this job. You think you're going to get, you know, big money or whatever, but you wait and see. They're going to use you for what you're worth and then they're going to let you go. And I was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to give it a go, you know, because I, I was just, you know, fresh into the to the workforce and it was a good opportunity. And about less uh, less than a year later, I was let go. I was working for a startup called Whiptail. They were a flash technology company and Literally, like, a few months before I could collect stock options, I was let go. And then they got bought out and all that, you know, all that goodness. But anyway, I look at it as a great thing because it ended up just making me realize that literally, like, you're the only person who's going to define your fate in the future and if you're going to be successful. Um, Working in, like, a corporate job, there's always the possibility that something could go wrong. Um so what I ended up doing was always having conversations and reaching out to my business partner and kind of using him as a mentor at the time. But in having discussions with him, I identified potential opportunities where if I were to partner with him, um, it could take some of the weight off of my workload and managing the business. And in doing so, uh, I was also able to negotiate with him to open up space in his existing store. He has an Army Navy store mm-hmm. and an airsoft gun store. And that's when I opened up the space njdronestore.com um as of right now it's a it's a small size store selling you know dji products you know like a a wide variety of different drones but we're still you know growing our inventory but um partnering with him has has opened up my, my business partner's name is rich he it's opened up many new doors and also he's brought um, you know, different capabilities and potential clients that we've, you know, ended up doing jobs with that would have never been identified if it wasn't for um, working with them. Cool. Wow, man, you've grown quite a bit since the last time we saw you when we flew together at Green Pond. I mean, uh, you've done an amazing job, sounds like. Yeah. It has been nonstop, but it's honestly one thing that I do have to say is that like a lot of people look at like what I'm doing and they just think like, oh, you know, you, he must he must be doing extremely well. But like all of this is extremely like it's it's none of this is easy. Like literally like the amount of hours that go into this type of work. Like if you look at like some of the stuff that I post on Facebook, like I'm posting stuff at like midnight. Like that's when I'm finishing, you know, videos mm-hmm. and posting them. It's it's a nonstop thing. My goal is to scale things and to to set up processes to make things as efficient as possible, get some interns to help leverage what we're doing. Um, but right. it's, it's, a, it's, it's not necessarily easy work. Yeah, I mean, it's got to take a lot of dedication and hard work to do any type of startup type of business. I mean, you know, unless you're like a millionaire or a billionaire, you know, you know, Silver Spoon fed like here's... I got a small loan from my father for a million yeah. dollars. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pulling pulling a Trump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so, no, I, I remember when I was uh, out of work and I went to uh, an unemployment, a couple of meetings, and they said, you know, who's interested in starting their own business? And I thought, yeah, I can start my own alarm business. I did alarms for a while. You know, same type of thing. You know, Christian, you, you know, you work there. And, you know, so um, 
they, they said the first thing you have to realize is all the money that you're going to make is going to go back into the business. And if yep. your spouse isn't willing to accept that, you're going to have to lay down with her, you know, or him. And just they're going to have to realize that the company might be doing well. You're going to still be driving around in the old piece of crap car, you know, um, and the money is going to be going back into the business. And I, I remember coming home and talking to my wife about it. And she was like, yeah, I probably can handle that, but probably not for, you know, much longer than a year. That's like you not for to, five years. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. All the books I read, it's like you reinvest back into your business for like the first five years. At least, yeah. yeah. All right. So what kind of multi-rotors do you use for, you know, for your AP stuff or your videography stuff? Now, in the beginning, when mm-hmm. I first started out, I was I was using all my custom-built drones. Like I, okay. was, I was flying like a QAV 400 and a QAV 500 with like a tarot gimbal installed. I remember those. Yeah, yeah. You had them at the field. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Using like a GoPro Hero 3 and then got the 4 when it came out Um, and using like Fat Shark goggles. And that was was pretty much it. But then once I ended up working um, and partnering with my business partner, he's also essentially my investor. So it opened up new doors to getting more advanced equipment and better quality software and computers and workstations to be able to to do everything that I do. Um, right. And also now, you know, like a dedicated office space to, to work out of so I could really focus. We, now what we utilize, we we utilize a lot of DJI products, um, like a DJI Inspire, Phantom 3 Pro as a backup. Uh-huh. Um, but also I still always use um, and have as a third backup, you know, the QAV500. Nothing beats having, um, like, I, I use a $30 KK2 board on that thing. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the, the glory of it is that if there's ever a situation where, let's say, like, people can't get their Inspires up or they're having issues with GPS, um, I mean, I know this might run into the, the gray area of no-fly zones, but, you know, if there's ever a time where I need to be able to fly, I can fly. Right, right, right. What type of clients do you usually get? And, like, how do they know, <clears throat> how do they find out about you? I mean, I guess... You know, how do you self-promote yourself or market yourself? I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give away all the tricks. Sure. <laughs> what I what I will say is that it literally is all about marketing and yeah. the money the money you put into campaigns, where the the type of people you try to go after and contact, it all boils down to how dedicated you are and the amount of effort that you put into reaching out to people. Um, I'm not necessarily going to go too in depth as to like the methods that we use, but mm-hmm. what, I, sure. what I, what I will say is that it's a nonstop every single day, constantly reaching out, marketing to people. <clears throat> and we even, I mean, we even have a network of individuals who we work with that essentially are like, they're, they don't have to be in our office, but they're essentially like mobile salesmen for us and work on commission, um, basis. Oh, so, nice. you know, if <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make a plug, but literally like what we do is um, we train people how to how to do the how to market the way that we market on social media. And once we've trained you how to do that, um, essentially, if you bring us any leads you, like on your free time, if you're on Facebook and you happen to message some people and acquire or identify someone who's interested and that turns into a lead, we'll pay you 10 percent of it. So that's the way that we go about uh, getting some additional people to assist in nice. our efforts of, of reaching out. And I mean, if you think about it, 
Like if a lot of the people who do referrals for us are individuals who are high-level employees at existing companies where they already have these contacts. So just right. saying and giving a recommendation, um, it's not that hard just to make an extra 10%. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. So what's expected when, you know, you get employed by a client like, you know, do you guys, I'm guessing you obviously have meetings and kind of talk about what type of marketing or promotional or, you know, uh, footage or shots or, you know, however you want to, you know, whatever they're employing you for. Um, what does that kind of look like usually? Um, I mean, every single client is unique. Um, some things do kind of become standard and like the norm like for example with real estate usually people's needs are quite the same and we set up packages and okay that, that essentially becomes like the standard that people adhere to but with with other um like for example with what we were doing with the quarry or what we've done with farms or with commercial developments everyone's needs are unique and it varies so what i would say like in regards to expectations mm-hmm we end up getting a client. We end up defining what the job is and what is expected of us. And then once we determine that, you know, we, we put together a proposal that reflects everything and goes over that. And once it's agreed to, you know, we have a checklist that we now are working off of that is exactly in regards to what the client wants and expects and is depending on us to capture at a shoot so we're all about planning, collaborating, and figuring out exactly what a client is looking to have done in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that will determine, you know, if we feel we're capable of doing it um, and then, you know, what what would entail with it. So that's, that's the way we go about doing things. And we try to – our biggest – like literally our biggest goal, and this is another reason why – um, I partnered with my business partners because from what I learned with him in business and working in, in retail is everything falls back to customer service. No yeah. matter what it is that you do, customer service will make or break you. So that's always what we strive for is customer service and providing a great experience from literally start to finish um, and even after the fact. Right. And I know from my experience, I was going to say that, man, getting that scope of work in the customer's hands and you're there to agree and both of you seeing up the same page and both seeing eye to eye it's huge i mean i've been through project management school and if you do not have a scope of work i mean you're you're the amount of screw-ups you're going to have or the amount of difficulties you're going to have starts at 50 percent. it only gets worse from there and i've experienced that firsthand so when you're saying this the whole time i'm just nodding my head going yes yes uh so many companies and so many project managers don't understand that you know your installer whatever business it is you know your salesman the customer the project manager and the guy that's going to be executing whatever you're doing all they all have to just see on the same page once they take that first step together and know what's expected you know that's that's so huge and companies right. just don't understand and or individual no matter what size the company is they don't understand that you know that's that's what's needed to be no, successful definitely. Mm-hmm. De- definitely agree with you there. I mean, I've had cus- I've had I've had uh, jobs and employers where I've said, you know, I'm showing up at the customer site and it, and I'm saying I'm hi, I'm from so and so. What am I here to do? The guy could go out and tell me to wash his car. I don't know because I don't see a scope of work. I don't mean I must have had that conversation. That's I don't a, know how many? That's times. a very that's a very scary notion. But one thing that I will tell you as well is that 
in the beginning when I was doing things on my own, I was I was literally just uh, I was hitting brick walls left and right in regards to screw ups because I, I like I said I, I my knowledge and background is in multimedia marketing and I worked for these companies but I didn't go to school for business so right. I kind of literally hit the the, the 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 ground running in regards right. to trying to run a company and in the beginning I'm not gonna lie I made mistakes but I learned from those mistakes and you know, there, every single client that I ever did work with, you know, I've I've never had a, a an aggravated client. I've refunded money to ensure that I'm not going to have an aggravated client. Uh-huh. Um, and from those different situations, you make notes, you figure out what you did wrong, and then also, my business partner, he has been in business since the '50s. Like he's not that old, but his father has been in business since then, and uh-huh. he's just grown up in it. So what I've learned from him is things that you will not learn in college, you know, things that literally yeah, real world experience, right? Real world, you know, things that literally you're you're only going to learn from a mentor mm-hmm. um in regards to how to effectively run a business. I mean, he has multiple stores and, you know, it there's just many aspects of after partnering with him um that allowed Cinema Flight to just become even more efficient and even better at what we do. Oh, that's Plus, awesome. What kind of uh, editing software do you use, you know, like when you do your videos and stuff? I mean, everything is done in uh, Adobe products. So for the most part, it's uh, Premiere Pro Mm -hmm. and also uh, After Effects. Mm -hmm. However, um, the one thing is that I I use literally like over the years from working in uh, corporate companies and creating videos and animations for different companies, I've... I've literally amassed a library of content that I've created that I use as templates or, you know, different. Every single time I create a video, it's saved. So if I create an animation or an effect or something along those lines, it could be repurposed for something else. So what I do is I I just keep very, very in-depth, organized libraries of files that are backed up on multiple hard drives and saved up in the cloud. Uh Um, of literally just templates of things that I've created. And over the years, I've just amassed literally like hundreds. Like I I have literally libraries of different templates and animations um, or stock footage that can be utilized for different industries, purposes, clients, um, etc. Aside from that, um, I mean, Photoshop, obviously, Uh Adobe Lightroom, um, like I do a lot of interior photography and like I do HDR shots and, and end up combining that in Lightroom. Okay. Um, we do floor plans. Um, we use CAD to design floor plans and we, we also do virtual staging so we can come to a location, measure out the room and then virtually stage it. So we can give you, let's say like five different scenarios of what the room could look like if let's say it's an office or a bedroom and mm-hmm. we've got like libraries of furniture and we've got um like some of the software that we use it's a, the, a lot of the software that we use to do the virtual staging staging are autodesk products okay jeez um, it, it sounds amazing like my buddy and i did video production for the longest time and we used we started off with like uh um 3ds max like three and man we did premiere and after effects i know exactly what you're talking about you know you keep those stock libraries of templates and and stock footage, and you can always, you know, find a use for them somewhere or 
reference it or just tweak them a little bit. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah there's that. And, um, I mean, the Internet is is a wealth of information. Yes. Like you, can, you can always Google and find websites that sell templates, get free templates. They'll sell models, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I mean there's I mean there's endless things. Like if you um like I've got an animation that I made for Cinema Flight where it's an inspire and it's got our logo on it. And that's it's it's a, a template that I found online um that for, perfectly fit, you know, our use case. So why am I gonna go and, you know, spend days modeling and, and inspire and then animate it if I could just get a template that's gonna you know, serve our, our use case and then just change it around to brand it to cinema flight and, mm-hmm. uh, right. create animation. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to know more about 3d mapping. Um, I know you said you use a, a software I'm not really familiar with. So 3d mapping, uh, essentially it can be, as long as you have, let's say, as long as you have a drone or a camera for that matter that can capture photos, um, along with GPS data, Mm-hmm. Um, you can end up ut- utilizing software such as uh, there is Drone Deploy, and also I, for- I forget what the name of it is, but the main one that we utilize is Drone Deploy, and it's an online service. That's what makes it pretty interesting because you don't necessarily need to have software installed on a computer to end up utilizing it. So what what we do is we go out, we capture scans and photos of different areas uh, depending on what it's what it is that we're doing whether we're capturing just a survey of a given property to do like for example what i was talking about how we're we're doing a project where we're helping someone redesign their driveway uh-huh. um another element of what we use it for is for quarries and doing volumetric measurements um it's 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 an awesome tool if you look into it drone deploy.com um it's it's a service that you have to pay into and depending on the level of precision that you want to have in regards to the data and readouts that it gives you, um, you end up having to pay for, for a higher-end version. Um, okay. Um, drone Deploy is, is literally just meant for capturing aerial data and then recreating 3D models and capturing, uh, let's say, that crop health data mm-hmm. and also the ability to do the crop counting the software that we have on our computer, um, it, it's desktop software that allows you to just take the images that you capture with a camera that have the GPS data associated with it, and you load up all the images in the software. It places all of them based upon those GPS coordinates. And so think of 3D Max, and once you load up all these images, they're all being automatically placed in the camera angles and the GPS coordinates where they were. So the computer and the software can take the GPS data and then the data from the images and end up recreating essentially a 3D model. So it doesn't even have to be drones. We could be on the ground and take photos with a DSLR of the front of a building to mm-hmm. get some really, really up-close detail and higher pixel data than what you would get with the drone and use it in conjunction with things that we capture from the drone to create some really, really high-quality, um, high-resolution 3d models now for the most part like looking at these 3d models where the real use case and value is with drone deploy where i feel is just getting the measurement data right not necessarily looking at the 3d model and turning it around and because that it's still kind of in a beta phase like the quality of the like if you wanted to let's say fly around a, a building 
and then map it out. It, the, the model might look pretty good, but the, it's not a, a thousand percent like correct in regards to what it, what it gives you. But what it does give you that's really a value is picture when you're looking at Google Earth and you try zooming in to a certain extent and things start, start to get blurry. Mm-hmm. With drone deploy, it gives you such a high quality depiction that is accurate and up to date. It's not it's not you know a couple years old like what you see on Google Earth, and you could zoom in and read license plates and even further in regards to the quality that it gives you. So it's wow. a topographical map view, and you can then calculate area, take measurements, and then look even at views of it where. It looks like a satellite view from Google Earth, or you can look at a view that looks like an elevation view, something that you would have exported out of a, an architectural program that, you know, it, it looks like uh, all different colors, like uh, everything that's at, at sea level or ground level mm-hmm. is in blue, and everything that ends up being higher is in different shades of red and orange and yellow. Right. It looks like the, the vision from, like, the Predator or something like that. <laughs> awesome. It, it's data that you can provide to a client that is of value. And especially um, when we're dealing with the quarry clients, it allows us to capture volumetric measurements. So what once required people um, or companies to go out and they would take images of piles and also measurements of those piles. And then they'd have to, you know, use like a mathematical equation to calculate and give a guesstimate as to what is in that pile, um, contents-wise. So after, after, I mean, that that's a long process. It's it's an older type of technology and a way of doing things. Now with drone deploy, in literally like a half hour or less, you can map out an entire area and every single pile. And then what you deliver to a client is, hey, here you can click around. And you can map out exactly which piles it is that you need. There could be a hundred piles there, and now they can calculate the volumetric measurements for every single one. Jeez, wow, that's awesome! Much more refined and precise. Sounds like yeah, yeah it's it's some it's some pretty pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff. But there's and once again, endless possibilities, endless use cases as to uh-huh. the value and the type of clients that it can cater to. And I mean, it it, it has value for surveying purposes but we've been using it to create cool marketing videos where we take the model and animate it in after effects and you know do cool things with it and it's it it, it just adds a whole new level to to what we can do awesome wow. let me ask you do you normally I, I guess it depends on an application if you're doing 3d mapping or if you're just doing like say real estate you know a lot of shots of a house or a property um but are you mainly flying manual, or are you kind of setting waypoints and letting the drone kind of do its thing? For me, honestly, the the, the biggest thing is, and, and I, I convey this to every single person that steps foot in my store who tries to buy a drone, mm-hmm. um, I will turn you away if, if you're trying to buy a Phantom and you tell me this is the first drone that you're getting. <laughs> I will recommend that you buy a smaller drone and you know learn how to fly. I feel... I feel the basis and the foundation for this industry is knowing how to properly fly uh-huh. and not rely upon any of these GPS waypoint guidance or flying in GPS mode with, with you know, uh, all those settings. If you can fly manually and, f- let's say, just fly the drone like the DJI in, in attitude mode uh-huh. and be comfortable, 
then you have the foundation to to be able to capture i mean that's the foundation to to be able to fly but right. another aspect of things is i do a lot of creative video production work for real estate and other industries and when i go out and do these jobs i don't necessarily have a co-pilot with me who is there to assist and have the second controller and frame shots i have literally just dedicated myself to practicing and believe it or not you know one person if you dedicate yourself and learn and practice um you can fly and be controlling the drone and have full control over the camera and panning and tilting and rotation so if you're good at what you do, you can end up literally being a one-man show that can go and capture cinematic, quality-looking shots. Um, and in order for me to do that, I'm usually flying in manual mode. Um, the only time that I'll really utilize GPS mode is if I need the drone. Like when I'm doing aerial photography and I'm just focusing on taking photos, I'll just let the thing hover there. And, you know, just focus on framing and capturing the shot. Right. And that's, that, that's where it becomes extremely useful. But for video production, um, for me, the whole, uh, like, getting the Inspire the first time and flying it, like, just the whole notion of the, the, the GPS and the return to home, like, I, I still have never really used the return to home feature. Like, to, to me, it scares me, um, <laughs> believe it or not. For me, I, I like the notion of always being in control. Mm-hmm. And just knowing, you know, hey, if this thing is coming down, it's because I screwed up, um, not because, oh, I pressed a button and I was relying on it to to do its thing and it didn't. What I will say, like the most important thing with all these DJI products is to, to calibrate before you fly every single time. Make sure you're not in a no-fly zone. And, I mean, other than that, you know, don't go over 400 feet. For the most part, everything that I do, I, I, I rarely surpass 200 feet for the most yeah. part. There's a lot of what you want is quality video and people want the shots like the biggest thing that I do and that I market right now there's a lot of people getting into this industry who call themselves you know oh I'm a drone photographer I'm a drone videographer but anyone can walk into my store and you know spend 500 or a thousand dollars and buy a drone and then walk out and call themselves an aerial videographer but what we sell and what differentiates what we do and why clients hire us is because what one thing that I pitch is just that we are skilled pilots. When I come out to a location and do real estate shoots, I'm not just sending the drone 400 feet up in the air and letting it sit there and, and filming video and calling it a day. I have this thing hover a couple feet off the ground and capture extremely dynamic shots. I've flown the Inspire underneath people's like outside little bar spaces, you know, flying underneath the roofs and underneath really really elaborate things i've flown indoors um to showcase showrooms at a marble fabrication facility really really elaborate things yeah i saw that Um, video and that is what i sell and what i convey when i'm working with clients we can capture extremely dynamic um you know things that kind of go above and beyond what people necessarily expect in regards to flying drones and what is capable um and and that's what we what we sell we can fly inside outside through things under things we just try to produce extremely engaging and dynamic um videos and when the unique thing about me doing you know pretty much everything is that when i'm out doing a shoot i'm also envisioning what the what the video i'm going to edit is going to look like so that's what kind of allows things to 
to be a seamless process for when we're working with clients. Oh, awesome. So, Kevin, do you have any more questions for Christian? I'm pretty good here. No, I don't have any more questions. Just I'd love to see it in action. I'd love to see it live because it sounds amazing. I mean, set up yeah. the drone or, you know, fly it around and, and just the data he gets is it and to see it all together, you know, it yeah. just sounds yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. One thing, one thing that I'll add, I'll, I'll add it to this, uh, this shared sheet that we've been using. Um, I like I the field where we met that one time and flew. Yeah, um, I've already mapped it out. Like I could send you. Oh, that did you? Yeah, I could send you that model on drone deploy, so you could see that and look at a three D model of that whole area over there. It's pretty interesting and take measurements. Like I like it. The 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 area of the of the parking lot is calculated and. Oh wow! Oh, wow! It's, it's, I got I got to get you to come in. I mean, you know, maybe you know. Yeah, map out the new field that that's fly on. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to kind of. It would be nice just for like reference sake because a lot of times, like I'm flying my heli pretty far out to the right, or or you know at the back end of the field, and I don't know how close I am to those trees, and and I don't even know how big the field really is. It's you know. Do we have a, we have a neighbor that's off to the left that that has complained sometimes? Uh, I wonder how mm-hmm. close we're actually coming to his house or flying over anything. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I could end up I could end up literally generating a extremely accurate topographical map and 3D mm-hmm. model and then you guys could I mean everyone could have access to it. You guys just have to create free drone deploy accounts, but then um what's interesting is that everyone can collaborate on the same map or model. Oh, so wow. you could place down let's say little pinpoints and then uh comment on those and people can then comment on those. So let's say you could drop down a little waypoint and be like, here's, here's, you know, like flying spot one. Or, right. You know, here's the, I don't know, the, here's an area where you could sit and have lunch or something. Or just yeah, literally yeah. put, you know, waypoints over, like here's a plane area, the heli area, the multi roadie area, or whatever. Um, but that way, when people are looking at it, you could share it with everyone. And oh, before, yeah. before you visit the field, um, you've essentially, you know, looked at it and have a, perfect depiction of what it's going to be in 3d and from above oh that's awesome yeah that's amazing yeah you got to yes. come out and do that i'm sure uh mike really president amazing. would would really appreciate something like that especially just like even if it's just like a uh you know you got your 3d model and then you take basically a snapshot of it you know you know separating a different field the areas and no fly zone quote unquote you know and just have that on our on a club website would be awesome too so yeah and i want to i want to check out the uh the fpv racing course that you said that you, you guys yeah yeah it, it yeah. kind of changes like week to week as the as the rich uh i mean you know i guess he's the i don't know how would you describe rich kevin he's kind of he's the guy that puts all the races together he's yeah he's kind of the coordinator the, or the leader of it yeah the president of the the group of guys that fly um because they go all over. They compete in the multi-GP races. Yeah, multi-GP. They're, they're doing the Liberty Cup right now. And I think um, Anthony was saying something about another thing on Governor's Island next weekend. Like, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So that would be awesome. Yeah, just to see it in action would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in seeing that. All right. Um, I know you got to go soon. So let's. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? If anyone is interested in any of my services or anything from the store, mm-hmm. you can literally give me a call anytime at 973-650-0513. And that 
That number is the number that usually pops up online for Cinema Flight, as well as for NJ Drone Store. But believe it or not, um, it is pretty much just directing over um, at certain hours. It's pretty much just directing over to my personal cell phone. So when you guys okay. call, um, you will get me. Um, so I'm pretty much like the first point of contact for Cinema Flight if you guys have any questions or if anyone has any questions. Yeah. Um, but other than that... Um, if you want to call me or uh i mean my email it's 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 on the the, the top of cinemaflight.com it's just my first name christian at cinemaflight.com awesome nice great well i want to thank you for uh, coming on the episode and then let's kind of dig into your mind of this whole uh commercial area photography drone operation all that stuff it, it was it was definitely interesting meeting with you guys back when i did and mm-hmm. uh flying and uh it's it's been a pleasure awesome yeah, yeah. The best of luck with the business, dude. Too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I definitely want to come out one of these days and uh, come to that field and uh, fly with you guys. We can catch up. Yeah, yeah. sure. Awesome. All right, enough of this silliness here. Listen, you know, uh, when I'm out on the street, you know, uh, people always come up to me and they say, "Hey, Arnold, yeah, get to the chopper." Yeah, you know, like, I haven't heard that, like, a million times. So, listen, you know, if you want to see all the helicopters, you can go to this uh, little thing up in uh, Rochester, New York. It's uh, the Rochester Aero Modeling Society, or RAMS. Yeah, you know, if you if you change those letters around, it spells Mars. And uh, I was going to tell you something about that, but uh, I can't recall. <laughs> yeah, you get it, right? Yeah, shut up, you idiot. Listen to me. It's three-day helicopter event, and uh, it's the largest in uh, the Northeast in September around Labor Day. You know, labor yourself up there and go check out some of these pilots, you know. It's the home uh, field of, you know, Mr. Chris Rybert and uh, the other guy, you know, that uh, the Kyle guy, you know, the guy that flies uh, pretty good. Yeah, you know, and it's grown, you know, over the last uh, couple of years. They've had, like, over a hundred helicopter pilots and, uh, like, a thousand spectators you know but it's not the t-1000 so you know you don't have to worry about it reacquiring you there so you know it's labor day weekend it's september it's friday saturday and sunday what did you think it was going to be on a tuesday so just go up there you know and if you miss this one i'm going to show up at your flying field and i'm going to poke your eyes out with my stogie you idiot you got any news i have no news no news is good news i the only news (laughs) i heard was uh, the radio said that Friday was going to be even more humid, and I put uh, a post on I put a post on Facebook. How is that freaking humanly possible? How is that possible? It's so humid now. What is you water going to come up out of the ground and strangle me? <laughs> you, you know, everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I not this weekend, but I know next weekend is our club's uh, our club's picnic. Picnic, yeah, it's on Saturday. So yeah, um, I, I just sent Mike an email earlier today saying, you know, the wife's planning on coming. I can volunteer for anything you want me to do. I said, I'm not sure if you want me on the grill cooking because <laughs> it's not one of my strong points. Yeah. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how, uh, you know, how to, how this, how our club does a picnic. You know? Did you go to the, uh, did, I'm sorry. Did you go to the club uh, Christmas party? No, I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, and I was in Florida, so I missed it. Yeah. But I heard it was pretty good. Yeah, I heard it was awesome, and I heard there was some awesome giveaways, like, you know, yeah. raffles or however they did it, yeah. Yeah, I heard yeah. Tony won everything. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Tony won some. I mean, I forgot the guy's name, but he won that um, that biplane. That I, I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, it's so cool. The the it's, um, E flight one, the orange yeah. and blue white one. The ultimate. Yeah. The ultimate. Yeah. That's yeah. sharp. Yeah. Yeah, and this wasn't like it wasn't like a raffle where you had to put money in. It was just like the club went and spent like I forgot the amount, but whatever, maybe a couple thousand dollars or a thousand dollars. And yeah, I think it was closer all to a thousand. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and just bought all this stuff and said, "Okay, here's some tickets, and let's call out some winners." And you know, that's awesome, man. That's crazy. What a, what a great club we're, we're a part of, man. This is, you know, yeah, it's awesome. It is. Uh, one news is Urcha. I wish I could beat her. Urcha, it's, happen- it's happening right now. I actually had a little back and forth with Justin from RCHN on Facebook. He probably, oh, did you? yeah, he probably still doesn't know who we are or anything, but. Uh, yeah, he posted he posted a picture of like cuz he's talked about going to Urcha and yeah, yeah. and how he gets stuff there. And so when he saw a suitcase and uh Yeah, he posted a picture of well he's got an SAB bag for probably his his Goblin. It looked like a 380 or 570. It looked like 380, probably it's 380. Mm-hmm. But he said that his 700 size hell he's he puts in a large hard uh hard case golf case, golf bag yeah, case. Yeah, it's like a double golf case, yeah. And I had no idea what you know, I know what a golf case is or a golf bag is, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't. And, and when he said he could put seven, um, four seven hundred size helis in it, I was like, "What? How? How is that possible?" But yeah. when he posted the picture, I mean, he had it all. He had his stuff like set up in the hallway of his house, or maybe or as he was leaving, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, he had his carry on like and and that hard, the hard case and his sab and yeah. the, like one other bag, and yeah, it was just like, okay, now I get it, man. And uh, it looked great. It looked like a great way to take your stuff. Yeah, and- yeah. Um, but did, did you hear? Did you listen to the episode? He talked about that and how much he pays to well, get. Yeah, I'm not sure what airline. I know that there's an op- the I I don't I don't oversize and there's overweight. A, there's an oversize <laughs> right, and then there's which is like seventy five dollars, and then there's an overweight, which is another seventy five dollars. I think. Yes. I don't yes. know if I'm getting the numbers right, but yeah, I think it was like hundred and fifty bucks. No, one no, way? it's much more. Was it much, much, much more? more? Yeah, he said that the one event he went to, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was OHB or Urcha, but he ended up having to spend close to five, $600 round trip. Wow. To ship his helis there on the plane and ship it back. Because it wasn't just like, okay, you know, 50 pounds is the weight limit. All right, you're over by, say, Forty extra pounds. It's not like oh, it's, okay, that's that's only seventy five bucks. It's like every ten pounds is like some some fee over that fifty. You know the original fee. It's like your initial fee is like seventy five bucks for that over by ten pounds, and then every ten pounds after that, it's like another fifty bucks or whatever the the number is. Jeez. Yeah, it's like a total scam. And they're talking about like I would just. Rather just ship it and have and wait two weeks, like have it shipped two weeks early to you know Urcha or the hotel or the yeah. or a friend out there, you know, to, right. to spend you know, because basically they're saying that like the money he spends to ship his helicopter is the price of a seven hundred air freight, <laughs> like you know, yeah. in a year or whatever it is. So I was like, wow. Well, not this year because he just posted like, I don't know, it was it cost him sixty bucks. He said, yeah. he said, I don't know if somebody made a mistake, but I'm not saying anything about it. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Nice. Yeah, so good luck to him, man. Mm-hmm. I'd love to um, I'd love to do OHB. We might have to do that because 
I have family in Florida, and I, the wife would I could just drop her off at the the kids' house, and yeah, you know, do OHB, and then come back around. I'm down for OHB. Um, probably not this year. It depends because OHB is when exactly? I think it's like December or. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's towards the end of the year. Yeah, I mean with with Chris's event, um Right, yeah. I wouldn't you know, be doing it this year. Yeah, not this year, but next year I really I don't know about you, but my two big events I want to do is Ursha and OHB. So, I mean, we'll definitely talk offline and see what you're interested in doing and figure out, but I would love to do those too, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do Ursha. No. Um would love to check check it out, but uh, yeah, I just don't know if I can do it. Okay, but we'll, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. I'll convince you. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, sorry, I kind of lost, kind of went on a tangent about traveling with helis and stuff. But um, big news is uh, I've got first picks of the Oxy Four at Urcha. All right. Dude, it's it's a lot bigger than I thought. I was gonna say the same thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Because you would think like you got your stretch two eighty five oxy three, right? And then this is supposed to be like a three fifteen millimeter size blade heli that can be stretched to a three twenty five, which is you know more in line with the original T Rex four fifty size, you know that type of you know four hundred size or four fifty size. But looking at it, like in that, that video that Rich Knapp um, posted that I shared out, it it's like, you know, Oxy, Oxy, Oxy 3, Oxy 3, Oxy 3. And then you see Oxy 4, you're like, whoa, yeah. it's, it's actually a nice size bigger. Like, you know, I, I thought it was good, especially when people were saying that it, it shares a lot of the Oxy 3 parts. But wow. Really? When I, when I, yeah, they said it shares a lot of Oxy 3 parts, like main shaft, main gear or something like the head's different to, you know. To hold the the bigger blades and stuff, but um, they said a lot of the parts were the same. But looking at the video, looking at the the you know, uh, I think it's Rasmuth holding um, each of them side by side or you know nose to nose. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a nice increase in size. You know that I don't feel like. If I were to buy one, it'd be like, uh, you know, like it's so close to the Oxy Three. Is it really worth spending? You know, probably at, when it's all said and done, I'd probably end up spending like six, seven hundred bucks for a, a complete ready-to-fly, you know, heli. So I don't know. I like it. I, I can't wait for him to actually release it, release it, so I could, you know, get my pre-order in and, and get one on in my hands. You know? Yeah, I I think I'm gonna definitely be buying it if it's anything like the Oxy Three. I mean, and it is. It's just a bigger version. I mean, yeah. dude, I, I, I'm definitely going to have a fifth heli in my fleet for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for wait, sure. Wait, how, wait, wait, how many do you have already? I have, yeah. I have four. You have two oxies, right? Yeah, 570 and the uh, 380. Oh, and the 380. So two, uh, two goblins, two oxies. Okay. But then I have two clones that, uh, I don't know, when we go into what we're going to be working on, I'll talk about that. Okay. Um. And the other news, it's really not news, but I, I also shared this video out too. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because they took an Oxy-3 at Urcha. Um, not sure. I think it was Rasmus uh, Jacobson, I think his name, uh, one of the team pilots. He put, <laughs> he put the tail blades and the main blades on 
backwards. Oh, jeez. Just to see if it would fly. Oh, you got to check out the video if you have it. But he flew it. It flew perfectly flying. Uh, I like, believe it. Like the Oxy doesn't care. And I think uh, Ryber posted a comment saying that you could use wooden sticks as blades and it would still fly awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so uh, I, I got a real big kick out of that. Um, well, I did I, that once with my, uh, my freaking – I didn't put the blades on backwards, but I actually had the tail blade spinning in the wrong direction on one of my 450s. Early mm-hmm. on, yeah, and I was only doing what was I doing at the time? I was only doing the gyro, the tail gyro, right? It was right. a fly, fly, bar. fly board, yeah. And the freaking thing flew great. And when I turned around, I was like, Why did I turn around? Because now it's flying like crap, right? <laughs> <laughs> on other news, Goblin, there's actually two news with SAB Helis, Heli Division. Uh, they are releasing a 420 sport, uh, sport, yeah, 420 sport. So there, there's some pictures that have been released um, of the canopy, overall design of it. It looks pretty much like any other Goblin, but it's a 420mm blade size now. So it's kind of the intermediate between the 380 and the 500. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get one. No. I mean, that's for sure. Um, I don't know who would – I don't know. I don't know. What, what to who – who does this actually? What the? Who? What the? Who? What the? What? Who? How? I sound like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Um, uh, but dude, do, who does this pertain to? Like, who is this marketed for? I guess is what I'm. Uh, what I'm number sure. one, true Goblin fanboys that want to have every size Goblin they ever make. <laughs> Anthony. No, no more. I know. Anthony is. Uh, it's a shame. Who am I going to buy my goblins from? Well, you should buy what he has now before they all go up. No. Um. No, but uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's in the market for maybe someone who's gone into like Ellie's and went from like whatever an Oxy to like a seven hundred, and they're like, oh, I kind of need something in between. Let me get a four twenty, or it could be maybe it's gonna end up being a replacement for the three eighty, like you know, they'll slow down the production of the three eighty and, and move all over to the four twenty. Maybe it just um, seems like a weird thing to do, but. You know what? I, yeah. I guess if I was, you know, if I had the dough and picked one up, and it might, I'm sure it flies bigger than the 380. Yeah, probably uh, a little bit bigger, but it's not gonna. I don't think it'll fly. Even like the 500 flies a, like a little bit bigger than the 380, but I don't feel like you get any of the added benefits of flying, you know, a 570 and up. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, I mean, what am I to say? I don't know. I'm not a helicopter expert as far as as the sizes but i feel like it's kind of a recent trend with sab to produce these mid-size in between size i'll say not mid-size in between right because you ha- you know you had the five you had the 570 630 and then and then you had the 700 and now they've made a 650 like in between the 630 and the, and the 700 and i feel like the 630 is kind of you know going to the wayside right oh yeah um, you don't even hear about that anymore. Yeah, so you hear about 570s, now the 650, Black Thunder, Black Nitro, and then, uh, you know, obviously the, the true and tested 700 competition. But then, like, now you have the 380, the 500 Sports been out for a little while, so now they made an in-between size of that. I feel, I don't know, I, I feel like their business model, I don't know if it's sustainable. 
you know, producing so many models, so many different sizes. Yeah. No, I could see that. You know, that, that means more manufacturing of parts. Unless you discontinue something like if the 650 were to replace 630s entirely on the production line, manufacturing-wise, parts, support, all that stuff, I could understand that. The 630, I heard, was had not very, you know, it didn't have very good disc loading. It was just too heavy for the amount of blade, the, the blade size you can put on it. Yeah, heard the same thing. Yeah, you know, the, the 380, I think, has great disc loading. I think, you know. Yeah. It feels, you know, agile and it's quick and it doesn't feel too heavy even when I run the 2600 milliamp batteries, you know, the, the big boys. And the 4000 head speed? 35, I think, or 36. The 4500 head speed? No, that's like my Oxy. I'm running 4000 or 4100 on the Oxy. But anyways, <laughs> I, like them, I like them screaming, you know. Don't get me wrong, I, you know. I kind of like, I want to hear the heli. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I hear you. But um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe. Do you think the three eighty is out the door? I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> I honestly you know, like. Should I? I don't know I, why, because the three eighty is such a hot seller. Like everybody I know has a three eighty. Yeah, but I feel like recently everyone I know has been selling their three eighties. Okay. You know, like let's go down the list. Like Rick, he sold his. Anthony sold his. You know. Well, not all of them, but he sold. I think one of the two or three he had, which is understandable. He has so many, but um, you know, Ryber doesn't have any three eighties anymore. Yeah, I out of those three guys, I know Chris likes to likes to try stuff out, and you know, sure. he, he he definitely does the whole review and critique mm-hmm. thing, and and sure. he's great at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Everybody has their own little situation that I can think of. Like, True. like Anthony, I know, um, has been getting into the multi rotors. Rick loves the the big stuff, so yeah. But he bought us Protos. I think he's just an MSH MSH fanboy. Well, and I think you know, I know that there sorry, was a, Rick, for calling you out. <laughs> I know that there was a time where where um, he had a couple jobs fall through too, too. So I don't know if he needed money and had to sell it. And no, he just wanted to sell it to get get the Proto three eighty. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is fine because he is—he has always been uh, a full supporter of MSH um, helis. I mean, there is something to be said for the new shiny too. I mean, a lot of guys sure. go after that too. Yeah, so, I don't know, man. Like I said, I really don't know what they're doing. You want to buy my three eighty? No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, part you of me you can't is sell like, that, dude. That thing's got a crazy ass canopy. And I know, I know. That's the thing. I was like. Oh, I had a 420. It looks kind of cool, but I have this custom canopy. I can't sell it. If I sell it, I can't even sell it with the canopy. So what can I get for it, really? You know? Right. But yeah, I don't know. I'll probably keep that. And if 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 the 380 does go discontinue, I'll buy up some parts and just fly it until I can get one last full rebuild and then shelf it. Dude, I don't think. I think you. One thing I think, dude, is that we'll be flying those 380s for at least another. Eight to ten years with parts, even if they discontinued it in five years. I mean, do you think so? There's so many freaking parts out there for that thing. There's so many people sell sell parts for it. But you know, or just buy somebody's kit. You know. Yeah, true. But in turn, like you know, you say there's so many parts because they keep on producing parts. When they stop that manufacturing, and you're gonna have two things: you're gonna have people buying up parts, right? Or you're gonna have people selling their helis off, just like. Everyone did when Blade went out of the, the competition or pro line. 
Um, you know, it's it's, it's either or. You're gonna, but then at a certain level, maybe. But dude, you just five brought, years. You just brought up brought up Blade. Do they still make the five fifty? No. Do they still make the six hundred? No. I mean, I see a lot of those. I see a lot of people still flying those. Yeah, but I feel like the parts are getting hard to find. Like I don't see the parts even on Horizon Hobbies, say. Yeah, but I still know, I still see people was... flying them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Mike has well, I've seen Mike have, has I think has a six hundred and a five fifty, or he has a five fifty. I know President Ooh. Mike. No, no, those are all, all lines. They're not blade. Those are all T Rexes. Oh, are they making still making those? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, my, I don't know if they're making. My point is null and void. Then. <laughs> I don't think they're making. The, I mean, they. I don't know. If, yeah, I guess they are making the kits. But aren't those I, parts interchangeable, more or less? More or less, yeah. And you can kind of finagle your way of like, oh, this is the six hundred. SE or whatever right. will kind of fit on the pro and this and yeah the head from one yeah you can kind of yeah yeah exactly you can kind of finagle it and make it work but um I don't know um on the other SAB news I just saw one picture I have no idea what the hell it is but it's called the SAB Comet it is a white full fuselage very it, it, the the tail looks narrow as hell. I don't know what it is exactly. I saw actually another picture of the tail fin, which was in two pieces, uh, like a top part and a bottom part. And I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I heard that they're going to be introducing it. I think it's a beta version right now, still in R&D, but they might be demoing it at uh, Urcha. So I'm going to be stalking Facebook with any Urcha pictures, trying to see if I could get any hints towards it. Have you seen, have you seen that? Yeah, it looks like it's a speed heli. It does, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks like it's some form of speed heli, and it's just—it's weird because it's like sitting on a table. Yeah, it looks like the top part's open. I don't know; it's very strange looking. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's, but it looks cool. I, I want to. I'm, I'm curious to see, um, you know, what this new uh, helicopter is all about. Oh, that's not something open. That, that must be something behind it. I'm looking. Yeah, that's what, that's something. Somebody took that picture maybe at Urcha. It looks like it's on a white table and there's like a, a black background. I, I got a really nice picture of it in front of me here. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it definitely looks like it's some form of speed heli. It's like a full fuselage. Uh, actually, the tail, yeah, the, the, top part, the top part of the canopy, the front canopy, where it says beta version, it looks like that all comes off. It does look pretty cool. I kind of like the the paint scheme scheme of it. It's red and white. And it has wheels, and it kind of looks like a big Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's another picture of it. Yeah, are you part of the SAB Goblin lovers? Probably not. Is that the one that started by Anthony? <laughs> Didn't probably not. Oh, SAB Comet in progress. Yeah, what the hell is that? That looks like a. Uh, so it looks like controller. a tail. Well, yeah. No. yeah, that I looks s- like the underside of it. That's probably where your landing gear bolts on. No, that's or not. something. That's not a speed controller, though. Oh, I know what it is. It's retracts for the landing gear. I'll bet you what we're looking at here is the, the fuselage portion of the tail section and mm-hmm. the, the whole f- fuselage canopy part clips on that. It's probably being cut off. The rest of the frame is probably after the BK servo there. 
and the tail servo there, yeah, yeah, we probably don't see it because it's just a cut at that point. It probably sticks out past that. Yeah, but if you look at the, the gears, they are going right to that landing gear, which looks like it rotates ninety degrees. Oh, okay, yeah, to retract it straight, so it's less air resistant. Yeah, it's a freaking speed heli. I mean, look how narrow it is. It's insane. Yeah. It is. So maybe this is their next uh, speed heli comet. If I do do any type of speed heli, I'll probably follow Nick Lynn and and kind of do the uh, five hundred sport. Because it already looks like uh, it goes fast. Uh, to me, I, I don't think RC helicopters should be going too fast. Not in my <laughs> hands, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What do you mean? I don't even think it, I don't. I don't. <laughs> you keep on saying, "Oh, you know, these old eyes." No, I never a, say that, dude. Oh, you don't? No. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of another old person now. Yeah, you're probably thinking of somebody else that's old. <laughs> no, I never well, say that. I'm, I mean, I'm not. That you're old. I'm not, uh, <laughs> dude. When when they go, they go, and I'm not gonna uh, be able to fly at all. But uh, I don't yeah. see that happening for a long time. Oh man. So what's next for you in the hobby? Um, well, I'm gonna do some 3D printing, some fabrication on landing gears on that Y6 backbone. I got the ESCs coming. I ordered another battery pack for the Goblin 380, so that's coming. Oh, I didn't tell you. My 12S uh, 5000 pack from my Goblin 700 is dead. Really? It's it's a used pack I got. I got it for a great price, so I really can't complain. But, I mean, I think I might have gotten 10 cycles on it. And now one of the cells in, the, in one of the 6S packs, it's at zero volts. It will not charge. I tried balancing it between the other packs to see if I could get it up to a decent voltage and then and then you know charge the whole thing. But nope, it it is dead. Wow. We tried it on Rick's uh, Dual Power Lab uh, Eight. Right. Can't wouldn't be can't charge it. Can't get it to balance. I my forty ten I charger won't do it. It's dead. It sucks. So I am gonna have a little fun with that pack. Um, I'm going to take apart the, the two success packs, separate them, right? Because it's currently, um, you know, an official Pulse 6 uh, stick pack, so it's one piece. Right. But I'm going to cut away the other pack, redo the leads on the, the good success pack. Maybe I'll keep it for something, or maybe I'll just, you know, give it to you to use. Fake it? Uh, no, nah, it's too big. 5,000? That's too big. I'm going to use the success 1800s, though, in the big Okay. From the Goblin 380, so I got another Goblin 380. I'm I, I found a great deal on eBay for, and it's you know it's one it's a local hobby shop up in uh, in Muncie or Suffern in New York. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back it up. Beep beep beep. What the <laughs> freak? You just said what? Can you tell I've seen one too many Steinfeld episodes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you just said you picked up another Goblin 380. Battery pack. Oh. All right. Battery pack, All yes. Right. Dude, you had so, me scared there. <laughs> these two battery packs I got original with the kit over a year and a half, I'll say, ago. Okay. The, they have about 60 cycles each, but uh, pack number two has, uh, you know, I have a question mark on it because I was getting a lot of sag when I was flying. I had a lot of, you know, just. So I put on the, um, the UI sensor for the V bar. On the 380 to actually see what I'm getting. I've hit 2.9 volts just doing a hurricane or just doing a TikTok or just doing a funnel. Like 
and then I bring the pack down after like uh, when it's said it's at twenty percent left or or zero percent, which is twenty percent left. And I flew for like two and a half minutes, and the battery pack was like three point six. Like it just is trash. Really. So that but- battery pack I'm gonna take out, um, and I bought a replacement for it already. It's uh, the 1800 Pulse. I'm trying a 65C pack because I, I saw it on eBay from that, you know, from the seller that I, I normally buy stuff. It's a, a warehouse type of uh, RC hobby shop up in uh, Muncie, New York. Yeah. And it was like 38 bucks. What? I don't know if it was a typo, but like normally I remember the other packs I bought, the 45Cs, were like 50 bucks or 54 or $58. So I saw this for like oh no no sorry forty eight bucks not thirty eight forty eight bucks I was like okay oh this is cheaper than the forty five C's I bought so I was like all right let me jump on it I bought it real quick so they shipped it I should be getting it in um, before the weekend I'm hoping or or you know whatever it doesn't matter or whenever I get it but I'll get it soon and and I'll, I'll try out the sixty five C pack see if that kind of gives me more punch and less bogging but uh, yeah nice, yeah so. Dude. So the first two packs of the Goblin 380 that I bought originally, um, one of them is kind of shot. I'll, I'll see if I can, you know, use it for airplanes, use it for the Vigan. Um, probably the other pack too. Once uh, I find that it's not really holding up too well. Okay. Also, I think I've I'm gonna pick up a brand new off of Facebook, off of one of the the one off a person that I've bought before. He he lives in Brooklyn. He. Uh, he, I think he flies at the Seaview Rotary Club, um, the one that John Dale um, came from out in Brooklyn. Right. And um, I met up with him before and I bought a couple of things, you know, and what's nice is that, you know, he'll come and drop it off at my job. So it's like um, we do the transaction in person, you know, I, I, I've, I've dealt with him before. So he has a brand new 12S 5045C Pulse Pack. So I got that coming from him. It's at a great price. So I might get that this Thursday or Friday cool. from him. So that'll replace the bad pack that I got on the uh, 700. So, I mean, it kind of sucks because, you know, you have to spend so much money on replacing batteries recently, I feel like. The other thing is, is my, I know I'm going on and on, but uh, my. Really? I didn't notice. <laughs> my Oxy 3 Cube, all of those 3S packs, I have just. <sighs> just abuse them. Well, abuse that's, them. That's what they're for, man. Yes, and now I'm hitting low voltage at like you know, like where the helicopter head speed just starts to drop <laughs> at like three minutes, two minutes and fifty seconds. Like it's just it's it is, and those are coming down like like I've discharged them to three point five. Like they're coming down. Oh wow! Really beat. Um. I have a lot of 4S 1300 packs. I think about 11 of them or 10 of them. Oh, let's let's say nine minus the one I lost at FlyFest. Um, <laughs> that flew away. Okay. I'm going to convert my Oxy3 Cube now to 4S. I'm going to change the pinion out to the 11 pinion, change the governor setting, um, and convert that strictly for all my Oxys will be 4S now, for now. Nice. Until I get some money to buy a 6S pack for... No, no. <laughs> And a motor. Well, what no. were you running on it? There were three S. 
3S on the Cube, the three bladed 255 version, and on the Tariq, um, it was the 4S. Yeah, yeah, I so do four gonna... on my Sport and four on my Cube. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to follow suit and do 4S on both of those. Nice. Um, yeah, man, that might be a little bit too much, even though it's 255 for 3S. And you, yeah. you're not easy on it. Yeah, I, I fly hard, and I think it's more recently with like the funnels I've been working on, and yeah, and you know, I feel like that is like, I mean, I know firsthand on a goblin when with that bad battery pack, I could hover fine. As soon as I start initiating a, a circuit, a hurricane, or a funnel, I mean, my V control is yelling at me: two point nine, three volts, low voltage, low yep. voltage, just just yelling at me, and I'm like, tick tock. TikTok 3.3, 3.2, you know, like. Uh. See, I'm on the DX9. I don't have any of that. So maybe maybe you should just shut it off. <laughs> Be like, hey, <laughs> just ignore it. Yeah. No, I'll just, I don't know. I think it's. No, that. I definitely haven't had any batteries come down that are that low, though. Yeah. I mean, you know. You know when they're, like you said, you get that low head speed towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you're hitting low voltage on the ESC and it starts to down the throttle for you. Yeah, so I just want to get out and fly. I want to fly this weekend. Hopefully, the weather is nice enough. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be a little crappy on Saturday, but Sunday's supposed to be all right. All right, perfect. Sunday's our flying day, so that hope, hopefully that works out for us. So, Kevin, what's next for you in the hobby? Um, I broke out that uh, scale 450 heli fuselage and dusted it off, and I might, I might mess around with that, but... Uh, I really don't have any plans to build anything. I really should build Kevin Matusik's plane and uh, <laughs> get that going. And you're yeah. laughing. Uh, but since we had Nerd Nick on the show, man, I actually watched okay. his build video on the Chipmunk. And, uh, okay. dude, he has done some serious thought into building these damn Dollar Tree foam planes. One thing that impressed me, and it's the dumbest thing, and it's the simplest thing. It's like, mm-hmm. why didn't I think of this? You know how when you make a hatch... And you've got foam. You got the foam against foam. You make some yeah. form of hatch or whatever. He has a hatch set up on this chipmunk, and what he does is he has a little area where you could put either magnet or velcro. Now you know if you got a hatch and you put velcro in between the hatch and the plane, you're going to get that stupid gap between. Yeah. You know because it's got velcro right. in the middle. The velcro has thickness, right? So what he does is he cuts a rectangle out where the velcro is going to go. He puts the hatch down. He puts the velcro together. Peels off both tabs. You know, uh-huh. both both so it's sticky on both sides. Mm-hmm. Puts it down in there, and then what he just cut out, he puts in there on the top of it, and hot glues that in. And when I saw that, I'm like, dude, why didn't I think of that? That's so easy to 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 do, and such a simple solution for the for that problem. But then you have your hatches perfect on the plane, and you got Velcro in the middle there. It's huh. just like a perfect solution. I'm like, and just he does so much, so many other things. So many reinforcements. So, um, and the way he does, definitely the way he does the wings, the trailing edge, the rudder, you know, the the elevator. Um, it's just amazing. He's got a really nice video on the chipmunk, and just to see the techniques he uses, um, and he's just stepped it up, man. Like stepped up to the next level with with Dollar Tree foam, and I it just it my mind and my ears are kind of confused by saying that right. <laughs> stepping up to the next level with Dollar Tree foam, but just it, it's just amazing. Like I can't wait to. 
I want to actually build one of his planes so I can like use those techniques and then transfer them onto some of the other stuff that I've worked on, like the SD5 and, and whatnot. Nice. But it's just just amazing, man. Nice. But yeah, I might work on that scale 450 uh, heli, dig some parts mm-hmm. out of the out of the garage. I don't know. I don't know what's going. I'm on call this weekend, so I'm not sure you know how much time I'm going to get. But uh, okay. uh, hopefully, I can get out and fly for sure, man. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make it out to fly. <laughs> yeah, I'll have the. Uh, <laughs> I'll have the work van. Okay. Definitely. Cool. And, you know, you can fit a bunch of helis in there, right? Yeah. Let, Planes a little bit harder because they're bigger and take up more room. So. Let those bitches pay for a trip down in the field. Oh, boy. Hopefully your boss don't listen to this show. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, so what else? That's it? or That's it, man. Yeah. 450 scale build. Go out and fly. On call this week. Nice. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, let's go through the wrap up then. Yeah, man. Um, we had a couple of comments on Podbean uh, by our buddy T N Bridge, who I think is Aaron Blake. It is. It's Aaron Blake. Yep. Yeah, he said something about, "Hey, I've heard my name like forty-five times during this episode." <laughs> I think it was the one where we were talking about Flight Fest. Okay. Or maybe the Nerdnik one. You know, we got a lot of response to the Nerdnik one having him on. Yeah. So a lot of people were like. Wow, that was really good episode. Really informative. Uh-huh. Right, right. And yeah. he and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't he doesn't jabber on like I do. But um, yeah, he he liked a couple episodes. Um, and we have a Iron new Blake. follower. Yeah, we have a new follower. Windforge is following us on Podbean. Awesome. So thanks. Thanks. Ooh, I didn't do Facebook likes, did I? No. Slacking. I'm slacking. All right, let's do Facebook lights right now, live on this pre-recorded show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, we are at 256. That is six more than last week. Awesome. Keep them coming. All right, I know which one's the last one we did. And for some reason, I only have three on my phone here. So let's go over them. This one I'm going to butcher, so... Sorry, Steve. Uh, Steven Boyajian. Boyajian. Oh, boy. Okay. We got John Davis and Rob Mango. Mango. Repeating it isn't making it any better on my ears, dude. Mango. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't, of course. Sorry if I... uh, didn't pronounce your name right. You His could... name is Mangoat. Gold. Oh, all right. Or it's Mango LD. Okay. But it's M A N G O L D. Looks like he his profile picture looks pretty cool. Looks like he got some racing uh, belts on him. So I don't know if he. It looks like maybe drag races. It's pretty cool. I used to drag race uh, when I was in my younger days, blowing up transmissions and rear ends, you know, <laughs> and engines and turbos. I loved it. That's it? Uh, I do, yeah. <laughs> There's only three, but I, it says that we have six new likes. Uh, I mean, it is what it is, Facebook. Um, but I, there is one on Instagram I want to read. Okay. It's from our friend. I think he's from the other side, another well, part of Australia. the earth. From Australia, yeah. Uh, SKT73. He uh, posted on Instagram. Just thought I'd put a shout-out to SGN79, Flying Simpson, and... Your name is Kelvin Teschner? Yeah. Maybe. Okay, Kelvin. The, the other side of the world, yeah. 
Oh, and on the other side, yes, that makes sense. Uh, who put out the Free Fall RC podcast? No sponsors, no BS. If you're not listening, you probably should be. Although the guys love their helis, yes, indeed, we do. Uh, they have a great passion for all form of RC flight with solid roots into flight test community and mojo. Nice. Uh, prime example on episode 33, the guest is super awesome, foam board aircraft genius, Nerd Nick. Says, uh, great stuff, guys. Quality episode right there. Got two little beer things clinking. Cheers. So, yeah. Cheers. Awesome, man. Cheers. Awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, somebody else posted something on Facebook, um, probably on YouTube as well. Uh, it was when my 200% uh, SE5 lost the wheel. They made a little video, and it's Hilda Flyer. I don't know who that actually is. I thought it was Aaron. Oh yeah, yeah. Aaron Blake, because I thanked him, but he actually, I think, directed me towards it. Yes. So, it um, wasn't Aaron, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was cool, man. Yeah, it's so funny because it, that was the one where I it was the last part of the, the first time I had it out there, the first day, and uh, I think something was up with the rudder, and it wasn't turning, and I I was able to well, turn the rudder, it, and then the wheel right. came off, and then all the all the comments in the crowd were hysterical. They're like. Yeah, that's gonna make landing a little tough, and oh, he lost yeah. the wheel. And there's a little kid going, "Daddy, he lost the wheel." <laughs> and then the father's like, "Yeah, we heard you, Daddy, but he lost the wheel." <laughs> like, you're saying it's too funny, man. Right, right. But that was uh, that was yeah, a cool man. video. So thanks for putting that together. Yeah, and you landed it one wheel like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like awesome. I said, that story, man. I've messed around with the beaver so much that uh, one wheel touch and goes weren't really too difficult. I was just worried about. The elevator and the rudder and what was going on with the plane yeah well you remember the uh the elevator was all like pitched down yeah you were standing right next to me you're like oh crap and i'm like the wheel isn't the problem (laughs) i can handle landing with one wheel Mm -hmm. but yeah especially that thing because it's so slow yeah it's so slow and you could like base alignment alignment land it on a dime (laughs) yeah so yeah so thanks for putting that video together yeah awesome Facebook comments, website comments, no. I, I feel like I checked iTunes. Mm-hmm. There's no reviews. Did you listen to last week ep- week's episode? I did. Did you hear the little music I put behind you in your iTunes review? You didn't even comment on it. So I was like, maybe you didn't hear it. Did I hear it? Maybe you didn't. I was laughing my ass off. Doing it. I was laughing my ass off when I listened back to it. Wait, did I miss that? How did I miss that? I don't know, but I'm not even going to say anymore. You're going to have to go back and listen to it. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No. How did I miss that? What'd you do? You're not going to say? You're not going to tell me what you put? No. You know what I'm going to have to do then, right? What are you going to do? I am going to have to. You're going to go play it back right now? No. Maybe. It's so far towards the end. And then, I mean, maybe you don't like that. Go out and buy what one the of these helis. What are you doing? Uh, I mean, I, I really. All right. So drop us an iTunes review. I will read it on the next episode. I want to read an iTunes review, please. Please. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember this like the sad story, like the Sally, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Donate a quarter, donate coffee money for kids and blah, blah, blah. For about the price of a cup of coffee. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feed the children. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got it now. <laughs> uh, I remember. Uh. <laughs> you going to do that again? I don't know. I, I hope won't. you didn't get offended by it because I was like, no, it's awesome. I it just sounded it. so pathetic. You were like, I want to read an iTunes review. <laughs> That's the whole point. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, get into the emotions of our listeners. And oh, dude, <laughs> what are you, Hillary Clinton and the DNC, <laughs> dude? Uh, I hated all the time when I, when I used to read comic books when I was a kid. You know, I hated yeah. when they would have the cover of the comic would be, you know, a gun pointed at a cat's head, and they would say buy this comic or we're going to kill this cat. I mean, I always thought it was the most pathetic freaking thing. That, so when you did that, I was like, oh, I got to put some crazy music behind this, man. <laughs> nah, but, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So drop us an iTunes review and we'll <laughs> read it on the next episode. <laughs> Email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash free4rc podcast. Don't forget to check our webpage, free4rcpodcast.com. We're always adding new content. Um, if you want to see something there, let us know. Flight test forums, off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, free4rc podcast, next to the our friends at the FT Community Cast. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Yeah, we got to set that up, man. Yes, uh, we do. Together. We do. Let's. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. Who should we contact? Just Mike should, or Joel? I think we or contact Joel. Joel. Yeah, I okay. Think he's kind of running the show. Okay, I'll reach out to Joel and kind of see uh, what you know when they can do it. We could plan for it ahead of time, so that way we can uh, work around it. So. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right, from all of us at Free RC Podcast Crew, we want to thank you for listening. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Laters. Laters. Boy. All right. <laughs> My name is Joel, and I'm running the show. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool.